0: Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals, the podcast that allows every therapist, now tech, and stylist to level up, build their career, and reach for their dreams. Each episode, we'll be looking at a different area of the industry, and along the way, I'll be chatting with salon owners, industry leaders, and experts who'll be sharing their stories on how they achieved their goals, made their successes, All to inspire you in your business and career. I'm Sue Davies, your host, award-winning salon owner and industry professional. Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. In this first episode back, we're going to have a look at recruitment um, and the crisis that seems to have hit the industry, mainly as a result of the pandemic and many, many salon professionals feeling that the grass may be greener on the other side, and the other side being self-employment and leaving employed jobs. And so we're going to look at how perhaps employers can regain the trust and the desire for salon professionals to want to be employed. We're also going to cover quite a few other bits and pieces within this, but that's the kind of drift of where we're going to be going with this episode. We have a, a bit of a gap in knowledge, perhaps, for the more entry level to business um, professionals within the industry, and. Partly, that's what this podcast is about, is to help people understand that if you want to start your own business, you need to have some of the fundamentals behind you and under your belt. But but we are currently, as a result of everything that's changed, we are kind of facing a crisis of recruitment in the industry. And I know that my fellow salon owners that I've known for a long time, I'll, um, I'll, bemoaning that they cannot find staff that there are no staff and whether that's as a result of less people going to college through pandemic but less people choosing to take it as a career because it's close contact and people were concerned about that there's a huge number of reasons why that may be but what we're going to look at today is just kind of how some of this may have come to pass what you can do about it and and how we can help shift things back in the industry slightly It definitely isn't just our industry facing this recruitment problem. There seems to be within the service industry, particularly um, of which we obviously fall into, there seems to be um, a lot of issues of people trying to recruit and being unable to find candidates. Um, I know uh, my son works in hospitality and I know they've had a lot of people leave and that they've struggled to recruit and get the staff to retain the staff. And it has been a really, really difficult time all round. So what is the problem? Um, You know, many employees have lost the passion for the job that they previously loved. Some have been unable to cope financially while they were on furlough or on reduced hours. They may have had mental health or physical health conditions that have been affected. And some have reviewed their current situation and wanted a change, maybe returning home to their families, but many have seen an opportunity to change their work in life and have left employment to begin their own ventures, as I said, and um, and that would be as a mobile or a home-based business owner. This, this has been like nothing else that's ever happened in our industry. The pandemic has shifted things so hugely. Um, it's raised massive amounts of questions and a lot of people have created their own solutions. But as I say, this is now causing a really big staffing problem for so many salon owners and as a result... I'm seeing quite regularly people advertising their salons for sale, um, just closing down and moving themselves home. And so the high street salon opportunities are just seeming to just disappear. So who is it that's missing? Um, there's gaps with students not being there, as I say. Perhaps the students that have come through haven't got the best skills because if you were been taught through pandemic, in a college, the commercial sessions wouldn't have been um, the same. There may not have been any commercial sessions. So you may only have had theory and practicing on your classmates, which, let's face it, is not the best way to um, enter this industry. A lot of the problem, and when I was with the FMP, one of the things that I, I was in charge of was um, this massive census that we did. And one of the things that came out of it was, um, that, I, and I wrote about as well in Scratch, was that there are a lot of people that need to earn money. And especially with what we've got coming towards us at the moment with the cost of living crisis that's happened as a result of the pandemic and Ukraine and the um, Russia war. There's a huge, huge issue around the financials of being a beauty therapist or a nail technician or a hairstylist um, in an employed role. We have a problem where our industry has fought to the bottom to compete on price over the last decade and more. And as a result, they cannot afford to pay their staff their worth. And sometimes even the owners are not taking a proper wage or salary from their own business. And this all comes down to undervaluing ourselves, and cheapening our services to try and compete when actually what we should be doing is raising our prices to make sure that we're able to function as a business and to function as an employer. What we found in the FMP census was that around 50% of employed staff are earning minimum wage or only very slightly above and what does this say about our skilled and often really experienced workforce? That we do not value you. Starting graduates at this level is an entry point expectation perhaps, but how do you raise their wage and how soon do you do that? We really, really need to start looking at how we improve our opportunities for, for new newly employed um, professionals. There's something about the fact that minimum wage is there and therefore everyone seems to just think that's the best thing to do is just put my minimum wage but, you know, even even 20p more an hour, you know, it, it's not a huge amount, but it makes a little bit of a difference, you know, or maybe even a pound, you know, just increase your prices to make sure you can pay people appropriately. So what is it that we can do as an industry to become more attractive to potential employees and to graduating students so that the traditional face of the industry doesn't value from our high street? Because I know for me, it'd be quite a sad thing if you walked along high street and there were no salons, you know, this is something that has been like a, a drop in, a, you know, a place where people can just walk in and get services and, um, or, you know, walk in and book a treatment for next week or whatever it may be. And if you they aren't seeing us on the high street, we may just vanish completely. I don't know, you know, if unless you've got your marketing perfect, um, you know, sometimes if you're, if you want to be an employer, you want to be a salon, you need to have that, that physical presence out there. So what do we need to do? Do we need to look at our pay and our conditions? What is it you offer a potential employee that other businesses do not? Do you offer commission schemes, bonuses, do you give staff events? What is it that makes it a great place for your team? What can you offer that's more appealing than professionals going into self-employment as what they see is the best way to earn a living? And I think that's really what's happened. They, you know, people have had a, a wake-up moment and they see which I know is something that I've experienced over the years, is they see that, you know, you're charging, say, £60 for a facial and that they're only earning £10 an hour out of that facial. And unfortunately, unless you understand how to cost your treatments effectively, as an employee, that's the maths that you do. £60, I get paid £10. But we need to work out, you know, we need to maybe explain to these um, employees of ours that it isn't that simple and that that sixty pound is made up by a huge amount of different um values and different costs that make up that that sixty pounds and yes some of it does include profit but the whole point of being in business is to make profit and we need to we do need to remember that and our employees need to understand that too and not begrudge it because it is not easy running a full-on salon on the high street it really really isn't we do need to kind of consider if like if self-employment becomes the best way to financial security, is that something that we should look at where that all went wrong? Or is it something where we need to actually be proud of the entrepreneurial spirit that has created that environment and made something that is now so prevalent and is now causing salon owners to have such a problem? Is it a flash in the pan that's like post-pandemic thing um, and then gradually will write itself? Will we see a return of um, people wanting to come back to the salon when they realise on that first tax return, just maybe how difficult business management can be and doing your own accounts and all of that kind of stuff. It really is going to be an interesting, because that's kind of this January coming up now is going to be the self-assessment point when all of those new businesses that were started during pandemic, -pandemic, post-pandemic are going to probably be facing their first tax return. And A tax return as a self-employed person is very, very different to receiving your P60 once a year and um, understanding what your tax has been paid. We also need to look at um, the part of this salon exodus may stem from salon owners who have um, enforced self-employment on their employed teams. And this is something I have seen lots and lots of, particularly since pandemic. I used to have um, a team in my salon that was a mix of employed team members. And also I um, usually had a couple of people that worked on a self-employed basis that came um, as and when they chose to. And we went through that with my accountant and we worked within the remits of HMRC to make sure that that played out okay and never had an issue. But you do have to realise that you cannot just make employed team members become self-employed because it doesn't suit you anymore. You know, that is hidden employment and you are likely to firstly lose some of those people because that is a really challenging thing for them to go through. But also, you know, you have to realise that if you get caught by HMRC doing that, then you are liable for all of that back tax, all of that back national insurance. Potentially you they would have a claim against you for holiday pay and all sorts of stuff. And so you have to be really, really definite about what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it, and making sure that you do it within the full um, understanding and criteria that HMRC set down for having contractors working within your business. It's really, really very technical. And unless you've taken a, accounting advice, it's something that you should not jump into because it is, it's is—it's damaging the industry now. We are, you know, it's, it's one thing to have people renting space and working on a fully legitimate self-employed basis from the time that they join your venue But if you are making people go from employed to self-employed, it's a very, very different thing. And it's quite a a challenge to make that leap legitimately. A lot of the reasons that salon owners give for making their employed team members become self-employed is that they can't afford to pay holiday pay. They can't afford to pay whatever it is that they believe Um, is an issue but what, what we come back to again and again is that pricing is the way forward for this you know if you've got a team member you need to add their own costs into your planning for your pricing and it's that it is that simple that's basic business management if you have costs they have to go into your price because if they don't go into your price then you can't afford to make those happen and it's, it's really basic maths. If your employees um, wages cost you £10 an hour, plus your on costs of your national insurance, plus their holiday pay, and say that all comes to £12.50 an hour over the course of the year for the number of days they're working and so on then that's what you have to build into your pricing. You don't build in their £10 an hour. You build in their £12.50 or their £15 or their £17 or whatever it may be. You have to work out what all those costs are and build that into your price and still make profit on top of that. That is the only way that you can become an employer is by understanding the maths. We need to tackle our low-price, low-pay problems and stop our high-expectation values of our staff that are being paid barely enough to exist on Um, and that seems to become a really dominant problem within the industry and that goes across to clients clients expect us to pay our staff a good wage you know we are not We are a service industry, but that doesn't mean that we have to pay minimum wage. You know, that seems to be the expectation within the service industry and retail. You don't have to earn minimum wage. You can earn more than that. And our clients need to see that we value our teams so that they can value our businesses. And if they value our businesses, then we are able to charge our worth and we are able to start making shifts that will be more positive for the industry. If we priced our treatments accordingly, then potential clients wouldn't see us as an expensive salon because everybody would be charging appropriately. And that they would see that that salon values their team, that they use quality products and that they have good ongoing education, statutory compliance and a good business. You know, these things can only be only really be done when you charge appropriately is something that we need to learn expensive is now seen as what was once the going rate for a set of nails or lash extensions in today's bottomless pit of prices you can see gel nails being offered for £10 a set by some home workers and as low as £15 a set in the salon and some acrylics being offered for £20-25 and sometimes less again if we all priced our treatments so we could afford to pay our teams in line with their qualifications skills and experience cover their holiday pay buy quality driven and compliant products pay our insurances building continued professional development for our teams pay our overheads then perhaps we could value ourselves our staff and our industry just a little bit more as someone who's been in the industry for just a little while maybe a decade or two um, and probably had the first set of professional nails done in 1985 I think it was um, I remember paying about 28 to 30 pound for that set of nails and to put that into context at the time I was probably taking home about 120 pound a week in my reasonably well-paid office job at that time And that was in line with what you could expect to pay for a good cut and blow dry with an experienced stylist. There wasn't a huge competition at the time. And I really did have to travel to get my nails done. And yes, that was a long time ago. And yes, things have changed. But ask yourself, if you were charged £30 35 years ago, then what should you expect to pay in 2022? Even if you charged £25 back then, what should you charge now? that once comparable cut and blow dry is probably now in the region of 50 to 60 pounds, maybe more depending on what hairdresser you go to. See the difference? Can you see that that particularly with nails, it hasn't followed and maybe even with beauty, it hasn't followed. That cut and blow dry will often be done while someone else has got a colour on their hair. So they're layering their treatments in hair. And in Nails and Beauty, we don't get that opportunity. We can't leave our clients to go and do something else. And so hair's always going to have more available profit there and maybe be able to pay more to their staff because they can layer and layer and layer. But when you can't layer, we really, really have got to value our time and not be shy of charging for our income and charging for profit. It has to be something that we look at. If clients expect cheap, that's because an element of our industry has mistakenly given them cheap in order to compete, or because perhaps they aren't a legitimate salon. And with salons that operate in that field, they can charge cheap, It's not they're not trying to pay wages. You know, they've just got to pay for their overheads. And you need to remember that, you know, there are so many ways That you can add up um, what your overheads and your costs are to reach a certain figure. And if it doesn't match what you and your overheads are, you're gonna lose. That's the only way it is. We've lowered our value and we have to make it something that is an important thing to address. We have to look at what we're doing and we have to work out how to make our businesses enticing to employees again we 've shown that the only way to earn money really is to do it for yourself, and that is the problem that we have that's behind this employment issue and the recruitment issue that we're now seeing in a um in a few weeks i'm going to be um interviewing. Holly Power to discuss um, recruitment she's used to do recruitment many years ago and is something that she's been talking about quite a lot and we're going to have a conversation around recruiting and retaining staff and how to get the most out of your team so that hopefully is going to give you a little bit of an insight into maybe how you can reassess where you are at as a salon owner if you want to have a team or you have a, a problem with with your team recruiting or whatever. Running a business does mean constantly reviewing your market, your prices and your team, ensuring that you are offering the best value for your charges and that you understand how to run your business. If you own a business, when was the last time you checked your pricing? When was the last time you got a list from your supplier of all of the different areas and different treatments that you offer and how all of your consumables and how all of those product costs may have changed when was the last time you asked your supplier for their cost per treatment for what it is that they provide to you these are really important things get your calculator out and work out how much everything costs down to the last pennies you know if you can buy you know a multi-pack of waxing spatulas as opposed to buying just one pack of 100 for one pound nineteen or whatever they are um, with certain suppliers you know you might be able to get them down as low as 99 p if you buy five packs or ten packs. Um, look out for those deals because all of those little shavings of 10p here 20p there all of those savings could mean the difference in paying your staff member something that makes them feel more valued if you haven't done this for a while take some time out and do the maths you may be surprised what happens to your bottom line of that 25 30 pound set of acrylics that's taking you two hours to provide and you're actually when you come down to it only earning about £7 an hour if you're working from home and doing that. Because, you know, cost of living, um, cost of business is going up and we need to reevaluate where we're at. Building a proper wage, building your holiday pay, building something to protect you, a bit of sick pay. Maybe start looking at, you know, costing in your pension. Every employer, if you look at Barclays, for example, um, you know, they will, for their employees, everything they do, They will work out how they're going to pay for their employees' private insurance, how they're going to pay for their um, different employee schemes that they run, how they're going to pay for their pensions, and all of that gets built in. We as an industry and as employers are no different. We still have to factor all of those different things in. And this is the case whether you work for yourself at home, whether you have a high street salon, whatever the situation is where you're running a business, these things are vital to consider. Choose better products, your clients are more likely to be retained if they're getting better results and that can be achieved through higher quality products. Every business is different and building your business plan needs to be based um, on your pricing and not on somebody else's pricing because if you do that it's potentially very damaging as you never know what their costs are and how they're making their decisions. You do not have that information. The only information you have is what's affecting you and your business. So we now have an opportunity to change our industry's future in our hands. Never before has the modern world held its breath in the way that it has over the last couple of years, and the pandemic, the war, um, and even you know just this last couple of weeks, you know, with the passing of Queen Elizabeth, you know, it. it this is. It may seem that it's a pretty insignificant in the scheme of things, but this is going to shift how people think about their their national national pride and all of that kind of stuff and and how they do things and it, it's only probably going to be a very minor shift for people but i know for me it's you know it's had quite a big impact i'm a bit of a royalist and and i love all of the royal family i think they i think they're fantastic but i'm not going to go into that because that starts going down to roads that people may not want to hear but you know but some all these little things that are happening are all like shifts in people's um consciousness And we really, really need to look at what questions we're asking ourselves. And more importantly, we have to be really honest with those answers about how our futures look and how we can improve upon them. Are we serving the greater good and are we serving our industry well and our employees well? Are we developing future professionals or are we simply by not charging effectively helping to close our industry down more don't be the business owner that decreases our value more be the business owner that pushes the boundaries and realizes it is okay to earn a good living doing something that you love thank you for listening to inspiring salon professionals if you've enjoyed the podcast please subscribe leave a review and share with fellow industry professionals that you think may enjoy the show Links and further information can be found on the show notes or on my website, www.suedavies.org. Here you can also find some downloadable free guides that you may find of use. You can also hear from me and join the inspiring salon professionals community on my Facebook group. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye for now.